Okay, so um, I'd like to ask for a couple of people to respond, and I will be um, recording at least some parts of the session so that you can come back to it at another point um, and hopefully listen to it and maybe even comment on some of the things that we were talking about here. So does anybody have any ideas about what they saw, maybe questions that they have that we might need to address later so that I kind of know where to go um, with the presentation itself, or even just a response, a comment from what you saw in that. It's a lot more dramatic with music, but it's the way that goes. Yeah. I'm going to run around to you with it. I don't think I saw anything really concrete in that, except there are a lot of questions. Are we going to do things the old-fashioned way, or are we going to use modern tools? So we want to look at some things that are really concrete and say, this is how you can actually get those questions answered. Each school, each teacher has to figure out whether they can afford to give kids access to modern tools or whether they need to beat them over the head with CSAP prep. Well, that's something that we were talking about, too, is, is the whole concept of access. How many of you in here deal with that concept? Like you would, ra you would like to integrate technology in your classroom or into your school, but the access is really prohibitive prohibitive at this point. Yeah, that's the majority. And um, we're going to talk about a few different ways, hopefully, that, that we've overcome those things. Um, but that is going to remain an issue, regardless of, of how we do things. Other ideas, things that we should probably focus in on? Even if you do have the technology and you actually have the technology and you, you know how to use it and you know what you want to do, what happens if it doesn't work that day. You have to have a backup plan. Yeah, the whole concept of the plan B technology integration model is not very viable at this point. And so using things that people have tested out um, either with research or with actual practice would be nice. Um, I think we can get around some of those issues. All right, pop over here. I have the opposite problem of access. I have students across the entire state uh, that are being taught in their homes and they are at various grade levels from kindergarten through eighth grade they are all twice exceptional students and I'm needing to know how to um, not only take their differentiated curriculum but bring them together in an environment and I have illuminate live sure. as my platform to do that but how do I take these students at different grade levels and make um, something that's authentic for them on an online environment? That's a really great question. <laughs> if we get um, our teachers in our schools on board and our parents on board for more technology, how do we also assure them that the kids will be um, safe and not have access to places they're not supposed to? Go. Right. There needs to be accountability both in terms of the academics as well as their, the social component, too. Really cool. Anybody back here that we need to address very quickly? Hopefully I don't knock anything. Well, I have to be honest and say we were here talking when you actually did your little oh, it's okay. intro, but in talking I glanced over and the only slide I saw was show them there was a crack and I think I saw somebody behind the crack. And I thought of the words after we said we weren't paying attention that 
um, show them stood out in my mind and is it us that needs to show them or do we need to pull that student, show them how to do something or pull that student out? Right. Well, I think that we can talk about both of those ways where the students are really um, mentors to other students and to even teachers at some point. But I think for the most part, we need teachers that are role models for students in online environments and, and even in just computer use in general because they get into a lot of trouble when they don't have those kinds of role models, um, cyberbullying and those sorts of things. Quick question this way. I don't have a question. I just wanted to, I'm a gadget geek and just wanted to check out your device. Oh, okay. So, thank you. Uh, it, it's, so this is, this is connected to an iPod and you can do it with any of the older iPods too, but this is called a micro memo. It's like 30 bucks and it's the easiest and probably clearest way of getting ideas in audio onto, um, onto really the computer. Um, another way of doing it, and this will be in kind of the second half and we need to go quicker that way, but um, you can use a cell phone to record audio if you use a, a, um, a system called Gcast. Uh, Gcast.com, you can call a number, they give you your own account and you just type in a pin basically and you can record um, any length of uh, a classroom discussion or um, really anything that's going on in or out of the classroom and that becomes a podcast automatically so you don't have to worry about needing GarageBand or any of those other pieces. So that's one way that we've gotten around access is because even if most students don't have access to a computer, they've got access to a cell phone or a phone in general. And so we can use phones in order to sort of eliminate some of the access issues. Not all of them, but some of the access issues. Okay, good questions. I'd like to take you through um, the handout a little bit. I'm not going to cover the entire thing. This was, um, it's fairly extensive. But the front page, um, not the cover page, but the front page actually outlines what I believe authentic learning, uh, an authentic learning environment is. And uh, on the cover page, you can't really tell, but it's a guitar. And authentic learning environments are contextual, connected, collaborative, change-directed, conversational, and continuous. And if you don't have all of those elements, it's like a missing string or a string that's out of tune and you can't play very well. And so that's the metaphor we're going for. Maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. Let me know. Um, the first thing that I want to talk to you guys about is the idea of a contextual um, learning environment. And so um, I can show you a few different ways that learning environments can be contextual. And so this is uh, a lesson planning blog that I use. And I should carry this with me if we're actually going to hear me on the recording. Um, this is a lesson planning blog. So I, all four of our teachers on this team for the Academy of Discovery use a lesson planning blog. And some people use it as an agenda. Some people use it as a way of posting assignments and things like that. I use it as a way of integrating everything that we do into, uh, in the classroom in one place. So it becomes almost like a portal for my classroom. And so this is actually um, a way of contextualizing this question here. What are the, your top fi five choices to communicate with others? And, um, and that um, was something that I was able to project up and then ask the questions about. And you can go on down here, and these are notes that we took. Um, now, my classroom does have a smart board, but you wouldn't need to to have a smart board in order to take notes. You would need at least access to one computer. 
and you can use SmartBoard Notebook software for free even if you don't have a SmartBoard. Um, now you can't actually write with a pen on the computer screen, but you kind of get the idea. And so the idea is that you actually can chronicle the context there. And so you can go through and see what is a bad prompt um, and really making it uh, contextual for students going back to background knowledge and those sorts of things. And this was a day that we were talking about authentic writing prompts. And I, am, I didn't really introduce myself, did I? My name is Ben Wolkoff, and I teach language arts, 7th uh, and 8th grade, um, three sections of gifted, one of mixed ability, in Douglas County at Crest Hill Middle School. Um, I have been teaching there for four years, um, and I have been working with kind of authentic learning with technology for all four of those years. Started blogging with my students about three and a half years ago, and just kind of haven't looked back. Um, this past summer, I was awarded the... Totally Wired Teacher Award of 2007 by Edutopia Magazine, which was a lot of fun, but it sounds a lot cooler than it was. Um, and so uh, hopefully there are some experiences that you'll relate to, maybe some that you won't. But the idea is that this girl right here relates to a lot of my seventh grade boys uh, very well. Um, and so we were able to contextualize it for them, um, thinking about being bored and, and things like that. So... Um, that's kind of the concept of, of making it relevant, but also having it all in one place. And if you keep on thinking about that idea, we have uh, connected. So when you're creating an environment, you want students to be able to connect to one another, connect their own ideas. And this is what I call a building comment. So a student writes a piece, and then someone else either can comment on it right at the bottom of the piece, and this is using a blog. And those of you who are not familiar with blogging, basically it's just an easily updatable, chronologically ordered web page. Okay? So, so you post something today, it's on top. Post something tomorrow, that's on top. And what you posted yesterday is below that. And it just keeps on going. So whatever is the most current stays right at the forefront of your student's sort of uh, viewing space. And so this right here is uh, building upon someone else's. And what's great is they actually linked to those people. So you can go back and see what they actually wrote. So we're basing it in a sort of connected way. So when I read this piece, it really made me think about what feelings are. Yo head explode too did a great job on this blog. There are some great questions. A lot of us probably have different feelings on the answers to these questions. And what's really great is we have a gifted student and a mixed ability student interacting. And obviously, and it's not at all obvious here, but this student is the mixed ability student and the gifted student is commenting, building upon, okay? And the idea that they can extend the thinking of, of someone who might be a little bit more linear in that sense, okay? And um, we are going to have a lot of time for questions, but if something pops up to you and you don't think that we're going to get there, please do raise your hand and, and we'll kind of come to that question immediately, Okay? So you kind of get the concept of how you can connect things together. Um, so let's move on to collaborative. One of the things that we do with the Academy of Discovery is Google allows you to actually take their suite of a email service, Gmail. Some of you probably have heard of it. Um, 
calendar, their calendar service, as well as their document sharing service, and they let you superimpose that upon your domain. So if you own any .com or any .org or anything like that, you can actually have users who are uh, who you can actually control their email, their document sharing, and they can turn things into you. And that's what we're using is a, a Google account. And so um, it will be in the 101 resources part of it, but if you don't have time to look at that, if you want to look up Google accounts, if you just go to google.com slash A, it's for Google accounts. And so what's really cool is you can see... Um, all of the students that have shared something with me right here, and so the collaboration is fairly obvious, but um, what is very cool is, and I want to make sure that, let's see here, is you not only can do um, regular documents, so you can take notes collaboratively, but they just started working with presentations as well. So students can actually work on presentations together. On a PowerPoint, you have to have that on one particular computer, and really it doesn't, um, doesn't facilitate a lot of collaboration. So this was created by two people at the exact same time, and if you have more than one person editing it, it'll say who else is editing it down right here, and you can see who else is, is really working in here. So this was something about persuasion and change. So supporting your idea, every good persuasion a uh, piece of persuasion needs supporting details to prove your point, like a stiletto's heel that supports... Okay, so we're working with the idea of, of metaphors there. Um, proving your opponent's idea wrong. To prove your opponent's idea wrong, you must get to the root of their idea and attack it at the basis. So, obviously, working in a lot of different sort of visual but also collaborative elements. Okay? Um, change directed. So, and we can talk about other ways to collaborate. Um, this resource, conversate.org, if you want to start up a really, really quick conversation with students, you can set up a conversation where it's a nested thread going on down. And we've done things from a multicultural novel discussion to talking about a perfect learning environment. And uh, when we were talking about the perfect learning environment, I thought some of, theirs, some of their ideas were so impressive that I had to kind of collect them into a, a notebook. And I'm using Google Notebook to aggregate this. But um, uh, let's see here. This right here I thought was really interesting. I think typing is a 1D conversation. I think it's one-dimensional. Typing words is a form of conversation, but it lacks emotion and connection to others. I agree with Moose that the computer is contagious. You glue yourself to it and lose all sense of reality. To have a real conversation with someone, you need debate, emotion, and opinions, something a computer cannot express, at least not yet. Okay? So that's an eighth grade student, and I don't know if you can tell, but they're gifted. So the idea is that it allows people to debate I, um, their own thoughts going back and forth in uh, a nested forum that is easy to set up very, very little time. You can set up uh, a conversation. If anybody was in the session on Monday where the presenter didn't show up and I, we were talking about it, um, we, it was pretty fast, right? I mean, we, we did it in probably 30 seconds. And so that's the idea of, obviously, uh, collaborative, but it's also the conversational piece. Now, I really like um, the change-directed piece, and this right here is a project that I do with my kids on belief structures. Um, 
we're studying the, uh, the 19th century and talking about the different isms, um, uh, abolitionism, transcendentalism, romanticism, and on and on. And then they create their own ism, their own belief structure. Well, they started talking about their beliefs and they were creating belief essays and they were working on interactive pieces here. But then they started discussions in their pieces or on their pages. And this is a wiki, an easily editable web page. Okay, and I know I'm throwing a lot of things at you, but I'm hoping that we can get to some discussion eventually. And they started talking about animal, animal cruelty. They started talking about justice. Okay? And then I thought, well, why don't we bring that into the forefront? I'm a big fan of back-channeling. Anybody know what back-channeling is? Back-channeling is where you have discussions going on in the background while you are presenting something, or you have a student who's talking about one thing, but the just-in-time learning piece is like, I have to know about this right now. Can I go on the computer and research this right now and figure it out and, so that I can come back and bring something important to the discussion? Well, that idea is, this was in the back channel, and it was so good that we had to bring it forward, and we sort of institutionalized it by talking about debates. And so now you have uh, an official forum for talking about evolution, abortion, political correctness, those sorts of things that are really valuable to gifted kids when they're talking about the idea of values and, and sort of support and things like that. And if you're looking at the uh, abortion page, which is obviously a very contentious issue, but there are 128 different pieces that people wrote about that that would have never come out if we didn't bring it into the forefront. And so there's an opportunity there to, to really have that conversational piece. Um, and obviously it changed the direction of the assignment. This became a part of it where I had no envisioning of a debate system. And so that became a part of it. And so the idea is that we are changing based upon the students' needs, but also based upon the technology available that can kind of project it into uh, other areas. And then if you want to talk about continuous, this was May of last year when we were working on a utopia unit. And um, what I really enjoyed about this is seeing where students were coming in to edit their work. And you'll notice that really nowhere, and this, these are edits, this is in terms of messages, this is unique visitors, and this is views, okay? So in terms of edits, the only spot that really is uh, pretty low was a long weekend where a lot of people went on vacation. And so they are able to come in at any point, these spikes here, and edit their work, and it becomes um, something that they can work on pretty continually. Okay, so that's the idea of the six C's, um, something that I've been working on for a little bit. And uh, the rest of the packet I don't really want to talk about. Um, it is the way that we got funding for the Academy of Discovery, which was to re research all of the different one-to-one uh, -one laptop programs and other things going on um, in basically uh, technology integration. And so if you want to talk about ways to convince people, data works, but these kinds of stories also work. The anecdotal stuff uh, really seems to propel people into inspiration and, and those sorts of things. This right here, although it looks hideous on this projector, um, is the, the wiki where we developed a lot of our ideas. And the formal proposal, um, which has a lot of this embedded in it, um, is right here. And so what I'd like to 
talk about now are really what you have questions about, really where you would like to take this uh, presentation, because I can show you many, many different things, but I think it's probably more important that you get your questions answered rather than me just keep speaking at you. So um, this is at academyofdiscovery.wikispaces.com, uh, but if you take away the wikispaces and just have the .com, uh, this right here is the portal for all students to go to. So this is academyofdiscovery.com. And this provides students with the ability to log into their calendar, their documents, their email. Um, it has the wiki link right over here. These are all four of the teachers and their blogs. And then this right here was something I developed for this presentation that would extend you out further. This is the 101 tools and resources for creating an authentic learning environment. And... Um, it is a direct link from academyofdiscovery.com. It's just on the side. It, uh, it says teacher resources, and then it's a link right there. And this, um, it's 20 pages, which is why I didn't print it out for all of you in its splendorous color. Um, and so you can kind of go through, and each one of the tools here, and there's a little bit of introduction there, but each one of the tools, and I've already talked about a couple there, are links that you can click on, okay? So you can go through, and there literally are 101 uh, tools and resources. And the distinction that I make between tools and resources, a tool is something that lets you do a specific thing online. A resource is something that you can keep coming back to for inspiration, for pedagogy, for those sorts of things. And so each one of these are uh, things that allow you to do specific things. VoiceThread allows you to upload uh, pictures and then ask students or yourself, I suppose, to record audio and make a digital story in short order. Okay? Um, and then when you get on down to the resources, um, you, you get into the idea of Curriki, which is an open education wiki, um, has lots of resources in terms of what you can do in your curriculum, how to change things around um, in order to integrate more technology or even just to do it more authentically. And so going on down, there are a lot of resources um, in, in terms of blogs, the fishbowl, I talked a little bit about the other day. Um, this is an amazing professional development group from Arapahoe High School. Um, the guy Carl Fish, and if you've ever seen the Did You Know presentation, that's him. Um, and so that's a link on here and then on down using a lot of different resources that are out there. Okay? But it is 20 pages, so I didn't print it off for you. I hope that's okay. Um, so we have officially, what do you want to say, 20 minutes? Um, in order to kind of bounce ideas off of one another. And if at this point you'd like to split off and go somewhere else and talk to the people that you came here with um, and kind of work with the ideas, great, go for it. Otherwise, um, I think we'll keep going and, and have people ask questions. So I'll give you guys maybe 30 seconds to a minute to come up with a few things that you might want to ask or talk about, okay, or to transition into some other sphere outside. Otherwise, um, we'll, we'll kind of come back in about a minute, okay? Ben, did you create that 101? Yeah. Okay, so that's about a minute. Um, what questions do you have?
um, things that we can talk about. I'm going to come all the way back here, and I'll just repeat your question so I don't have to run around as much because I'm tired. Absolutely. So Wikispaces is um, the place that I do all of my wiki creation because they're giving away 100,000 free wikis without ads, which is really important because you don't want the Google ads saying anything that might be weird. Um, and so this is the way that the homepage looks. And all you have to do is to sign up. And there is a help button, which is always key, um, up in the top right corner. And so the help button allows you to actually think about, well, a tour. Okay, so that's what you're looking for is a tutorial. Now, there is a specific section directly for teachers, and it gives you video tutorials about how to use wikis in your classroom. Um, and then I hear you offer plus spaces for free for teachers. And then you click on it, and it's sign up. And so what happened when I started creating wikis with my kids is they didn't want to just do school stuff on wikis, so they created their own based upon their own interests, uh, which was really powerful to see um, them starting to work with the tool um, on their own. And so be prepared for that eventuality, um, but there are some really great resources on how to use wikis, as well as in the 101 resources, there is a wiki tour um, and uh, Vicki Davis, who runs the Cool Cat Teacher blog, is the queen of wikis. And so if you ever have a question about wikis, asking her, um, she, did, she does presentations on wikis all the time. So um, here, I'll go back. So addressing both your question about online language, and I'll get back to the other part um, in a second, and then the safety question that a couple people had, um, one of the ways that we have really talked about that and, and gotten through that is um, most districts' acceptable use policies are pretty terrible. Um, they're incredibly vague, um, or they, they really limit potential online. And what we decided is that we were going to ask the questions, what kind of environment do you really want? What do you think would be the rules in order to create that? And so we talked a lot about internet safety and um, gave the kids resources to take a look into cyberbullying and those sorts of things. And then we created the discovery online code. And that was what students wrote out as the rules that they wanted in place so that they would feel safe online and that they would get the most academically out of it so that it didn't turn into a MySpace 2 or something like that. And so the idea was, and these were kind of the guidelines that I gave, and I'll zoom in a little bit, um, was that the Discovery Online Code establishes the discovery team at Crest Hill Middle School, creating an online working environment that is without fear of insult, reprisal, or dishonesty, that is scholastic, that is based upon protection of information, of identity, of unique thoughts, and then creative, uh, non-restrictive, tolerance, and sensitive. And so those were the guidelines. And then what they came up with was the concept of public and private communication, and then these rules. And number one, 
is the one that that kids ask me about all the time. Well, can I post a picture? And I'm like, well, what's number one? And they all sign their names to it. We put a big poster on the wall. They sign their names to it. I will never post any information more personal than my first name, nor will I post pictures of myself. And then going on down, plagiarism, posting pieces that you're comfortable with other people seeing. Um, You're not going to be afraid to express your ideas. And then we also put in a process for if anybody does violate, and I've had two. Since we implemented this, we've had two violators, one for spamming, which is just putting in gobbledygook in comments, and they wrote an apology letter, and um, the threat of being taken off of uh, the ability to, to blog was enough to get them to obviously stop. And the other one was just putting too much information up, and then they took it down, and, and it really did work out quite well. But I found that um, there was a group of people that we worked with in Wallingford, Connecticut, um, that because they didn't do this part first, they had a parent complain, and the principal didn't really know what was going on in the classroom and shut it down. So within a week, we went from collaborating on, an, on our Utopia project to nothing. And so putting in the groundwork of, of sort of researching and make sure, making sure the teachers are comfortable with this before you give it to the students um, can be, pay huge dividends. Um, other questions? I think I answered most of it, hopefully. Some of it. Oh, the rubric portion. So um, because I'm a language arts teacher, I, I deal a lot with the language arts rubric. Um, and so when I ask students to write, I'm not just asking them to write about uh, just sort of random things. There is a lot of element in choice. And we call it the Academy Authentic um, because it's, it's an authentic writing prompt that either they came up with or that I have asked them that they find to be authentic, meaning that it has a real audience and a real purpose for themselves or others that they're writing to, and then obviously a purpose that, that is uniquely their own. And um, in order to turn in their pieces, um, they do have to take a look at the rubric and give a self-assessment as well as a... Um, and then I will obviously assess them. And this is a pretty standard writing rubric. Um, it's modeled after both six traits and the CSAP rubric. Um, and we have a kid-friendly version as well, which kind of boils things down into kid-friendly language. Um, but the, the rubric part of it, I mean, you can't just say go and, and not have that account, accountability piece. Now, writing is a lot easier than some of the more project-based stuff that they're doing, but you can design rubrics fairly easily for those as well. So I do think it's important to start with that in the end. Yeah. Yeah, this is, um, and the kid-friendly one. I haven't put that one up, but it should be up probably by the end of the week. Um, Yeah. And so we do both because there is something tactile about paper and there's something really great about getting a comment that's actually written down and not in text. But at the same time, I really like the ability to go to one place and see all of their writing. So they can share their documents with me um, that they are turning in and I can go in and add comments, and I can show you what that looks like. I can go in and add comments just like they can go in and add comments to one another. 
And so that becomes very cool. And this one is actually not um, on, on their blog, but they can post from here to their blog. And so this is a piece that they're writing. And then if I, and this is what it looks like when you're editing in Google Documents or in your own uh, piece. So then I put in a comment and I can type whatever I want in here and it shows up automatically on their version, okay, which is very cool. But if I am asking for them to post it to their blog and they've already done revisions on it and things like that, then they print it out and give it to me and then I get to give them a hard copy. And there's something very cool about that um, sometimes, but it is nice to use the technology to make your life easier and their life easier as well. So we do both. Other questions? Um, okay, yes, so um, dictation, what I've been using is because I only use dictation in very small pieces. I don't like to dictate large works um, if, if I can help it because I like the writing process a lot and I like the kids to do that. But this is a, um, a free service and all of the recommendations that I have are free. I don't like paying for anything. So um, Anyway, this is called Jot and uh, it gives you another number. This is another thing to do with the cell phone, which gets rid of some of the access problems. Um, it's called Jot, and it allows you to call the number and then speak, and it will transcribe up to a minute of speech, and it does it pretty well, and it will either email it to you if you jot yourself, or you can email it out to anybody who you have stored in your contact list. So if you wanted to email out your department or your team, you set up their email accounts, and you create a group, and then you can actually just call on your cell phone and email it out rather than having to be on a computer, which is kind of cool. Um, kind of. Kind of does. Um, as for the kind of introductory pieces, I would definitely recommend doing the research on wikis. Definitely recommend... Um, ooh, that's nice. No, it's fine. Um, I did say that you could leave your cell phones on on the, on the pamphlet. So, um, One of the things that I did when I, I started working with it, I don't recommend jumping in until you really understand what the, the things are. So if you're going to try and work with blogs, read blogs. And there are a lot of recommendations. Um, Vicki Davis, who does the Cool Cat Teacher blog, that would be one. The um, other sort of preeminent bloggers out there, Will Richardson, who does a, a, a blog called Weblog Ed. David Warlick, who does a blog called Two Cents. It's a really great place to start. Um, and they have a lot of theory on there, but they, it's very practical. This is something that I'm seeing out there, and this is something that you can do. Two of the local people that I would definitely recommend, Bud Hunt, um, and his site is Bud the Teacher. Um, and so if you Google any of these things, it'll pop up. But Bud Hunt, Bud the teacher, he's out in the Boulder School District. And then um, Carl Fish, and it's F-I-S-C-H. 
And so I would start there working through what they have written, and there, there's a lot there that will help you to kind of introduce you into this world. Um, but if you're looking for a very, very quick um, and, and easy place to go, I would say that they don't necessarily exist yet because a lot of the people that are, are working through these, um, through working through this, are, are just trying to push out further and further and further into what's possible rather than making sure that everybody has access to it. And so what I hope to do with a lot of what I talk about is get people interested enough and then set up collaboration. The one, if you remember one thing from the presentation, I would recommend going to classroom20.ning.com, N-I-N-G.com. And this is a, a social network for teachers who are trying to integrate technology. Classroom 2.0. And it was set up by, um, actually, the guy who nominated me for, for the award this past summer. Uh, his name is Steve Hargadon, and he does some amazing things. But what he has done is he has collected so many different teachers out there to help them to get them to a place where it becomes understandable at least. And what's really great is they, um, they have forums where people are asking questions all the time. They have a wiki that talks about how to create a wiki. They have uh, groups that you can join, I'm a newbie kind of groups, those sorts of things. Um, photos of kids, even uh, elementary kids and those sorts of things doing this kind of stuff. And then there are like 300 videos um, on people who are, are kind of working on this. And so this is the entrance that I recommend to everybody. Joining is pretty easy. Um, it's just up on the top right over here, join classroom 2.0 now. Hopefully that's a pretty easily seen button. Um, and most of the people on here are incredibly helpful. So um, I, I don't think you should have any trouble networking. I also would recommend it if, if you want to, we can start our own group on there and continue the conversation from this session, which is very cool. Okay. Other questions or, or things we need to talk about? We are currently um, working under kind of the academy or a school within a school model. Um, we wrote uh, grants in order to get, right now on our team of 120 kids, we have access to a class set of laptops, which is 30 laptops, um, which is an amazing amount of access. Even still, we can't always do the things that we want, so we have to resort to other, other methods. But in a typical class session, um, we'll have the, the kids will answer, um, in, in my class, and I'm speaking for myself, they'll answer sort of an inquiry-based question, which will be kind of anticipating what the piece of writing that they're going to analyze or um, a concept that they're going to work through. And so they'll answer that on their blog and, and uh, post it, and then we can see them all either on one computer or we can share that up onto the projector. And then going on through, we may put the laptops away and work on uh, a piece of writing that we have in published form, and it, it looks similar to a regular classroom, or we'll work on a collaborative document. One of my favorite things that we've done is to introduce the 1940s, because we do a unit on literature in the 1940s, was um, 
to have the kids become 30-minute experts where they actually are researching the 1940s in a specific area and creating a presentation based upon that collaboratively. And then they showed that up and they worked on a collaborative document. So in some ways, um, I'm doing things that I used to do in new ways, but in some ways, there's no way we could have done the, the collaborative process on that kind of project without taking three weeks on it, and we only spent one class period. This is within Crest Hill Middle School, which is in Douglas County. And uh, our principal asked for any new ideas to reach kids that weren't currently being reached. And we said, well, we've been testing this stuff out. We'd like to come out with a systematic plan for integrating technology and authentic learning into the classroom. And this is what we wrote with the Academy of Discovery. And they said yes, which was awesome. And we kind of went with it. So this is the first year that we fully implemented um, the Academy of Discovery, and we're really excited about um, the results. So did your district happen to have anything like filters that blocked out blogging or web page We didn't have to get a lot of uh, special permissions. Things like Flickr, which are, is a really great resource, um, is blocked in my district. Uh, Pretty much all versions of chat are blocked, um, but both my kids and I are really good at finding things that are really alike what they block, but are not what they block. And so we kind of do a workaround, um, and I, I absolutely recommend doing those sorts of things and, and saying, hey, this is something that I'm doing in my classroom or in my school that is amazing, and I need to have access. So saying, you know, actually going forward and doing it and then saying this is what we need. And I found that they're actually really receptive to that when they see what my kids are able to come up with in this uh, learning environment. Yes. I, I do more of that now because more people are aware of what I'm doing and then they want to get in on it a little bit. But um, but for the most part, we, we do kind of just push forward and say, this is what's best for kids, and let's do it. Yeah. Two questions. One on um, the diversity of your school. Do you have kids who don't have access at home, and how do you deal with that? And then what about kids who aren't as comfortable technologically? I know most kids are, but how do you get them up to speed? Yeah. Um, the first question, we do have... We do have some students who don't have access. Um, we do live in a suburban di district in Douglas County, and so the majority of our kids do have access at home. Um, they don't use it nearly as much as, as you might think for academic means, unless it's something that they're really engaged in. Um, now, when, they're, when the kids don't have access, we, we provide extra time for them, um, generally, or we give them time during homeroom or other things when they can work on things. So when they're in school, they have access anytime they want it, basically. So we kind of work around it that way. Now, if we had a lot more kids who didn't have access, it would take us longer to get things done, but we would still try and provide that because we don't want to leave anybody behind with that. Um, in terms of the kids who do not, uh, who are not as savvy, um, one of the things that we've set up a little bit is... is a kind of a mentoring um, program between kids. And um, 
one of one of the great things about that is that they don't feel as threatened by a teacher teaching them something. The kids really do work through it. And so we kind of call it um, the digital learner mentor. So um, in our district, there's a uh, digital educator mentorship program. And we kind of just applied that to um, the, the learners, to, to the kids. And so the idea is that if you are good at one particular um, tool, then you should be able to teach somebody else and then become even better at it. And so we see a lot of that happening on its own, but we will set up like official partnerships if we see a kid who's just not getting it. Yeah. Um, well, I'm, I record a lot of classroom discussion and upload it automatically for kids to be able to come back to. Um, one of the things, um, we actually, um, Lunar Pages um, gives free web space to educators. You just have to prove that you're a school. It's called Lunar Pages. Um, so like the moon, lunarpages.com. Um, and they gave out like a 500 megabytes and uh, domain name. So that's how we got academyofdiscovery.com for free. Um, and so that was really great. So we're actually hosted on that using uh, open source software called uh, WordPress. Now, if you don't want to go through that process, I suggest that um, you use something. I I've used Podomatic which is a really good podcasting hosting service, or EduBlogs and Learner Blogs, they do podcasting hosting as well. It's not as sophisticated as, as a strictly uh, podcasting service. Um, another way that we've done it, uh, this is called Chinswing, and this is a collaborative podcast, and that's also on the 101 resources, where students will, and so this is um, right here, I pose a, a story starter, and then, Kids come in and finish the story in audio, and then you can download all of it as one podcast, which is a really great way if you don't have a lot of time to record all of the kids and things like that. So there are lots of different workarounds to, to get at podcasting um, and get at that audio portion. Um, looks like we're about uh, done. So if you do have questions, feel free to stick around. I'll be available. Um, and thanks for coming. Oh, wait. My email, I don't know if it's on the literature, but if you'd like to email me, it's just my name, Ben Wilkoff, which is on the, on the front there, um, at gmail.com. So it's just Ben Wilkoff at gmail.com. Thank you for coming. <laughs>